So we're looking at family, looking at some statistics of family. What is the typical family in the UK? With well, 17.1 million families in the UK uh, in 2006 and up to 16.5 million in 1996. So it's, it's phrased a little bit. Most were still headed by married couples. 71% of families in the UK were headed up by married couples. Now, there's a statistics that you wouldn't have thought, you know, even in our families, in our modern day, where family is being challenged. The highest percentage of people who have families are in married couples. Although the proportion of cohabiting couples' families had increased to 14% from 9% 10 years earlier. Although two children remains the most common family size, the average number of children per family in the UK has dropped to 2.0. In 1971, it was 1.8. More young people are living at home for longer. In 2006, 58% of men and 39% of women aged 20 to 24 in England still lived at home with their parents. Now, God forgives you if you're still at home today, so don't worry about that. My brother lived at home till he was about 35, and then he grew up. Hallelujah. Amen. A definition of a good Christian family. A good Christian family is one which lines up with the biblical principles and one in which each member understands and fulfills his or her God-given role. The family is not an institution designed by man. It was created by God and, ma- and has been given the responsibility of stewardship over it. The basic biblical family unit is comprised of one man, one woman, his spouse, and their offspring, and their adopted children. The extended family can include relatives by blood or marriages such as grandparents, nieces, nephews, cousins, aunts, and uncles. One of the primary principles of family unit is that it involves a commitment ordained by God for a lifetime of the members. Not like today's society, marriage is an opt-in, an opt-out. Today I want to be married, tomorrow I don't want to be married. I heard of a, a friend of Toyin's who was at work, and they, they got married, and they made an agreement that one day, you know, they, they were not going to have kids during their marriage. Anyway, after about five years, the lady decided that she wanted kids, and she decided, you know what, my husband doesn't want kids, I'm going to leave him because I now want to start a family. Often we go into marriages and, and, and different situations with certain feelings in our hearts, and we're, we're thinking, well, you know, it's just for a season. Well, it's not for a season, marriage is for life, amen? Marriage is for life. The Bible reveals that the family unit has the most important foundation to all social structures. It's the fabric that keeps society society together. The family relation is the institution of God lying at the foundation of all human society. So it's very important that we talk about family today because we need to study about family. We need to be thinking about family. And you are in a situation, maybe it's not perfect, it's not a perfect situation, and these are biblical standards, but you can learn things today on how we can move forward today. We're seeing the society break up. We're seeing society go through struggles, and often the challenges there is because the family has started to break apart. Well, I want us to talk about what the Bible says about family right now. So let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. We're going to go through a few things today, and I'm going to get Irene from the children's ministry to come up and tell us about what we do for pregnant ladies and and families when they become pregnant and what support we give them in KT. And then I'm going to ask David Maffey as well to come up and give his take on what he's learned uh, for principles in his own family, because the guy has five children, hallelujah, amen. Let's give him a round of applause, five children, that's, a, that's an amazing achievement already. Now, I'm getting up here in a sense of like insecurity, because he's got five and I've got one, so you know, maybe he should be speaking ins- instead of me with all the things he's learned today. What does the Bible say about family? Well, number one, 
the first family, Adam and Eve. And he says here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Well, firstly, I want to say, number one, God has given you authority to multiply. Amen? God has given you authority to multiply and to start a family. It says here that God blessed them. Hallelujah. So when we're seeking to start a family, we're seeking to get God's seal on what we're doing. You know, the husband or the wife may go into a marriage and, uh, and like I've said, have ideals. I want five kids. Well, I only want one kid. Well, how are you going to agree? You need to come into agreement. But the first thing is seeking God, God's will, because it's God's will that you be fruitful and multiply in Jesus' name. Secondly, he says that you have authority. That you have authority to pray and to intercede. You have authority to rule and you have authority to take care of your family. Here in Genesis 4 verse 1, you read about the first children that God had given Adam and Eve. It says, now Adam and Eve in verse 1, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Amen. So there straight away, children are given from the Lord. Amen. We agree with that. Children are given from the Lord. Then she bore again the time of his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Well, we know the story of Abel and Cain. It didn't get on, and Cain eventually killed Abel there. And then we see in Genesis 4, verse 25, God gave Adam another seed. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. But God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. And then men began to call on the name of the Lord. We see that again. God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel. God is doing it. Amen. I believe God is the one who will give you children. Amen. No matter what situation you're in right now, God is the one who gives you children. Now, I know in my situation, when we were becoming pregnant and believing God, Sometimes you, you have faith for certain things, and sometimes you don't have faith for certain things. Now, you might have faith for ministry. Why? Because you've been spending all your time interceding and praying for your ministry. You've been seeking God and saying, God, I want a ministry. And you've got faith for the ministry. But when it comes to getting married, someone says, are you going to get married? Oh, I don't know. God hasn't given me anybody yet. Because you don't have faith. You've not been exercising faith. And suddenly, just because you get married, doesn't mean that suddenly you have faith for children. You believe in God for, for children, and maybe it's just happening, maybe it's just not happening. But it may not be happening for you right now. And suddenly, worry comes in, insecurity comes in. You're thinking, is it God's will for me to become pregnant? Is it God's will to, for me to have children? What's going on? And you begin to worry. Why would that happen? Because we haven't built our faith in that area. Firstly, we need to hear from God. When I heard that word Judah just there in the transept, what did it do for me? It increased my faith. It increased my faith in various levels. Number one, God was speaking to me. Now we know everything we, we hear and we think we hear from God is not perfect. I'm hearing through a, a funnel of Christian, but I'm thinking, is this God? It's increasing my faith. I'm hearing from God. And all the names, what God was doing was completing his faith in me. Because true faith comes from God, amen? And children come from God. Then secondly, we're going to talk about Noah. Let's turn over there to Genesis chapter 6. 
So number one, the first family signifies authority and responsibility. God's call on our lives is to have families. He wants godly offspring. It's he who brings it about. Noah's life is about a righteous family. Well, God is looking for righteous men and women to put children into. Amen. He's looking for righteous men and women to put children into their families. We've got to ask ourselves, are we living a holy life? Well, Noah, for me, is an example. It says here in Genesis 6, verse 9 to 11, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, a perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked on the earth, and indeed it was very corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted the way on the earth. So here we read, Noah was a just man. And in some of your versions it might say, Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a righteous man. I know when you're thinking about having children, you've got to ask yourself the question, am I a good role model? Am I a good role model? But sometimes, you know, you've got one person in the marriage who wants children and another person in the marriage who doesn't want children. Often, you know, depending on who the person is, the person can just be suffering from immaturity. They want their life, their hobbies, the sacrifices that we need to make when we're having children, and they're simply not ready to lay their life down. For men, it may be football on a Saturday morning. It may be football on a Saturday morning. It may be thinking, well, I'm not ready for kids right now because I've got football on a Saturday morning. I've got gym in the week. I've got this and that and the other. I've just got time for my wife. I can't be taking care of anybody else. So that's why they're not ready. Where the, the wife there is thinking, well, I, I want f- four kids, five kids, you know, and the man is thinking, I don't want any. I'm not ready. Immaturity, not a good role model. Sometimes we need to change and ask ourselves a question. When children come into our lives, are we a good leader? That's what God was calling Adam for, a man of responsibility, a leader. And God looked on Noah's life and he said, I'm going to save this family. I'm going to save this man. I'm going to save his family. Why? Because he was righteous in the sight of God. See, when we're building a family, we need to build on the right foundation, on the word of God, on righteousness, on God, putting God at the center of our family. Now, you married couples here today, I want to encourage you to make sure that, and I'm not saying this in a way, you have to pray, you have to read the Bible together, you have to study together, because that comes across in the wrong way. But it's, it's, we, we do need to develop an atmosphere in our family that is conducive to the presence of God. So I want to ask you a question right now. You may encounter God in church, but do you develop an atmosphere in your family in your house where both of you can hear from God and encounter God together. Now, we're not all perfect, and suddenly, if if I say you have to pray, suddenly you can pray and read the Bible and not experience God. How many people were here this morning, 9-11? We had a sense of God's presence here. We're worshiping. The atmosphere was changed. God was there. That's what I'm talking about. Having an atmosphere, and you can do it in five minutes. You can spend time, five hours, teaching together, whatever, whatever you do. But you need to develop an atmosphere because when God gives you a Shem, a Ham, a Japheth, some sons, some children, I want them to come into a godly atmosphere, amen? A godly atmosphere, a place that's conducive to the presence of God. I like what Rodney Howe Brown said when I was in a revival and they had these kids work and it's nothing against kids work, Irene. I can't even see Irene, there she is hiding over there. You know, he said, I don't want my kids in the kids work over there. I want them in the revival. Where the presence of God is, where there's miracles, people being saved, where people are encountering God. I want my kids to encounter God. 
And he said, I'd rather be them on the floor doing whatever they're doing in the presence of God rather than be out there not in the presence of God. And I know our vision for kids' ministry is that kids would encounter God. But that was his take, making sure our children are in a righteous family. I'm going to ask Irene. I've mentioned her right now, and time is ticking on. Let's give her a hand as she comes right now, if we can have the microphone. I want Irene just to quickly tell us, because some of you might not be aware, you're thinking about uh, starting a family, preparing uh, to have children, and you might not know what's on offer in the church. And I don't know the womb ministry really helped us, give us some confessions and different things like that, helped to increase our faith. And that really, really helped. And I wasn't there every week. I repent of that. Hallelujah. But, you know, I was there a couple of times, and it really, really helped. So, Irene, just tell us what the womb ministry is, how often it ha- happens, and what is, what is the vision? What, what is the point of it? How can it help families today? First of all, I have to lord Christian because I think of his busy schedule of all my colleagues in KT, he was the only one I've marked his attendance. That he actually took through that pregnancy. And I'm also very blessed to see little Judah in our baby praise now. Amen. So a little bit more about womb ministry. Womb ministry is not only for the mums. It's for the family. Especially when we are thinking the heart behind it is when does childhood really start? When does this life of this child start? It didn't start when he came out. The life of this child starts where God has planted that seed. And he planted that seed mm. in the mother's womb. Amen. All right? So that is the vision behind it. Why? As not many people will think, Byron, what's the point? But the point is, life is created then. then. While the lawmakers are out there in parliament trying to debate when they can abort a life, we are here in the house of God saying and recognizing that life begins when God plants that seed. And we champion that in womb ministry. And that is the site of the vision of where we see womb ministry being a very important part of the Kensington Temple Children's Ministry. But the other side is the pastoral, the relational side. Yeah? We want to make sure that every mom and every dad or dad-to-be and mom-to-be feel that support right from the time when the baby is conceived. So we have, I tell you, the most amazing group of people that God himself has gathered. Midwives, nutritionists, even financial planners that have a heart for families. Be, some of you are giggling away, but I tell you, having that new person in your family, it takes a lot of pounds and pence. <laughs> and amazingly... Men, men get saving right now. Yeah, amazingly, I have seen how different people bringing their different skills have blessed all the moms and dads mm. to be. So tell yeah. us a bit about wh- when it happens, just some practical things. Yes. Because people might not know when it happens. And tell us a bit about what, 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 what they do, like the confessions I mentioned before. Yeah, sure. Well, basically, during um, we have our meetings alongside the children's nets. That will be the second Saturday from February to July. Then we take a break in August. Then in September, and the next meeting is on the 13th of September. It's a Saturday. We meet here at 3 to 5. And during the process of these meetings is we gather everyone 
They will go through the topic of the day, and the topic of the day could range from preparing for your baby. We get a midwife to talk about the practical side. Then we have what Christian means really gung-ho about the scriptural confessions, that we want the child, that you are really preparing not only for your physical preparation for your child, but preparing your child spiritually. It starts right now. That you are praying and asking God about this child's destiny. God reveals. Mm. And God wants you to partner Him because God had a plan for every person. And God can show you that plan that mm. you as the mom and the dad-to-be can pray that plan into with God. We're not going to see our young people backslide. Because we have sown that seed of prayer right from the beginning. The devil has no right over our children in this house. And we really thank God that these are the things that God has placed in the hearts of the team. The Womb Ministry team is one team that would even stand with you during those meetings about personal needs. We also encourage every parent to be part of a cell group because we know that it's the cell structure that carry you week Mm. to week. Even though we can be there as the team to support you and we have the monthly meetings once a month, we also stay with them during the delivery. We tell the parents no matter what time, the Womb Ministry team will be there. The minute the water bag bursts, Texas, we are praying. We are praying for that safe delivery. And even if you miss your due date, Texas, we will be praying because God knows the right time, not the doctors. Thank you, Irene. Awesome. You can take that. That's that's awesome ministry. And if Irene, I don't know if you're here at the end as well, if anybody wants to speak to you. But basically, you may be pregnant, you may be thinking about starting a family, wherever you're at, you can still ask Irene questions. But one of the purposes of the womb ministry and as, as us as a church is really to just stand by with you and to prepare you and to pray with you and to strengthen you and then to help you in everything that you're going through there as well when you do become pregnant. Let's turn over to Genesis chapter 13. I want to move on and talk about faith talk about the faith family, and I've listed this as Abraham. I mean, we've preached on Abraham many times in KT, and you could get many different sermons. I'm just going to touch on it for, a, for a, a brief second right now, but one of the things I'd like to focus on is really preparing your child when you do become pregnant, and one of the things that happened to us when, when we did, I did receive this word uh, regarding praise is that we just begin to worship together. I mean, sometimes it was five minutes, sometimes it was often an hour, and we would be singing over the baby. We'll be singing songs of worship. And as we sang songs of worship over, over, the, over Judah, uh, he would move in the womb. And uh, I think it was about six or seven months when, when he really started moving or whatever the time period was. And I remember singing and, and worshiping and, it, and it, it seemed like his hand or his foot just came out of the womb. But he was joining in. And uh, I believe that, you know, you, you, what you're doing is, is creating an atmosphere for your baby to come into. And when he did get born straight away, um, I basically got him into worship. I put the worship music on. I, I mean, he wasn't walking or anything. I just carried him around like this, worshiping God, getting him into worship. And uh, also in the womb as well, we'd speak the word of God, speak the promises of God. One thing, when you're going down the road of starting a family, you've got to really trust God. There's a lot of things you don't know. You don't know what's going on in the womb. You're not in the womb. 
you know. Uh, he, but God knows what's going on in the womb, in Jesus' name. And he's, he can put his hands on that womb. He can for, he's the potter, and the baby's the clay, and he's forming that baby. He's producing that baby. God is the one who ordained that baby. So we are trusting God through every area. So speaking the word of God into that child's life is very, very important. And, and I believe that also that when you're speaking the word of God and you're singing uh, as a couple, your baby can hear your voice. Your baby can hear who you are. Uh, and certainly that was my experience when Judah was born. Straight away we had eye-to-eye contact. I felt like I knew who he was. I felt like he knew who I was. Even though that strictly wasn't true, he was still getting to know. He was still developing. But there was an eye-to-eye contact. I'm not saying that's going to happen for everybody. But I believe that's happened because we were speaking on a regular basis, praising God. And in the womb he could hear who we were and hear our voice. Here in Genesis chapter 13, it is a journey of faith when you are starting a family. And that's the foundation that we need to build on faith in the Word of God. And we know the story of Abraham. Abraham didn't have any children. He was there with Sarah. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham and said, listen, you're a father of multitudes. But yet he still hasn't had any children. And a few promises here. Genesis 13, God said to him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I'll make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. (laughs) Here, God gives him a promise and says, listen, I'm going to multiply your generation. I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you descendants. Well, that wasn't his experience. He had no children. He had no descendants. All he had was a promise. Hallelujah. A promise from God. God visited him. He went through various different things. And then God turns up in Genesis 15. And uh, here in verse 1, Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Elise of Damascus? Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, But one will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and he said, look now towards heaven. Count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. But that's the first thing there. God speaks to him. God gives him a promise. And Abraham believes God. But before he believes God, he goes through this frustration. Now, I'm sure there's people here today who might not go through frustration in life. They're never anxious. I mean, they're on cloud nine. They're in heaven all the time. And everything in their lives just works like clockwork. There is no difficulties whatsoever. Now, if that's your experience, then bless God. And may God continue to bless you. But recently, we've been talking about how difficulties do come into our lives as a leadership. And when difficulties come, are we prepared? Well, this is Abraham's difficulty. There may be one thing in your life where you're struggling. This was Abraham's difficulty. He was saying, I've got a promise, but God, you've given me no heir. I'm embarrassed. I've got no children. I've even told a few people that you're going to multiply me, but in fact, I've got no one. People have laughed at me. And listen, the only person in my house who's going to be an heir is Eliza of Damascus. That's his situation. That's his frustration. And I think sometimes it's all right to be frustrated in life as long as we're coming to God. Hallelujah. Not complaining with other people, not putting out frustrations on other people, coming to God and saying, God, you know what? It's not happening. It's simply not happening. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need you to intervene. 
Well, if you study the life of Abraham, what was happening here is that God was simply testing Abraham's faith. His faith was immature. He started out. He went for it. He left his house. He started out. He was obedient to God. But when God tested him, he was still developing his faith. And faith is being developed. You might not be there there. And it says here that he says he believed the Lord and it was accounted him for righteousness. I want to tell you today, simply believe God that it's his will for you to have children. Amen. Believe God that he wants to multiply. Believe God that he wants you to get married. Remember, I think it was seven weeks ago I was here and I had a word and I said to you, believe God you can get married. Amen. Believe God you can have a family. Believe God. Believe it's his will for you to have a husband or a wife to move forward in in life as Abraham did. Then God gives him the promise of Isaac in Genesis 17. So shall Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And so as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be established with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Then he finished talking with him and God went up from Abraham. These scriptures, God starts off with a promise. He tests Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith is being developed and still Isaac's not being born. And in Genesis 17, God says the name of his child. So we can see there's a development in Abraham's life from what God has been doing. God's been testing him. God's been asking him to be obedient. He's been developing his faith. And finally, God says the name of Isaac. God's basically saying, listen, it's definitely going to happen. I'm telling you the name of your child. I'm telling you how it's going to happen. And I'm sure at that point, Abraham's faith is starting to get stronger and stronger. That's exactly my experience when I was there in the transept. God's built my faith for a year or two. And we're praying and going through. We finally got the breakthrough. And then God gave us the name, which increased our faith. And then shortly after that, the next chapter, Isaac is being born. This shows us that, number one, when we're praying, we need to develop our faith in God. Develop our faith in God to prepare ourselves to have children. Now I'm going to ask David Maffey to come up, who, who has not just an Isaac, but he has five children. Let's give him a hand right now as he comes. There's a mic down there that Irene's probably nick. No. So before David, I want us to talk three things as before David comes. Number one, we talked about the first family. Adam and Eve, which signifies authority and responsibility that God has given us to oversee the family. Secondly, we talked about becoming a righteous family, that children can come in, that we can be examples and good role models for our children, developing an atmosphere. And thirdly, we've talked about faith, making sure that we develop our faith and that when we're ready and we become pregnant, we have the faith to see it right through. And it doesn't just start there. That's just the beginning. We know that kids grow up and we've got a lot of things going on. You've got five kids, uh, David, and, and God's really blessed you. Just tell us some practical things that you did and your wife did in order to prepare to have children. I know that when you're fir- from the first one, I know you've got five now, so I know it might have, they say it becomes easier. I don't know yet. I'm believing, believing for that. But, you know, tell us how you prepared, and what advice you can give people today. Okay, well, just to, before I before I give the mark, I would say that most of this comes from my wife. Probably 95% of my preparation was just marrying a good woman, and she she did her homework. She 
read the love languages book. Well, the Bible says, give honor to the wife as <laughs> the weaker vessel. So, that's so I had a good talk with her this morning before, uh, before coming to this. Um, but we, we obviously had to make some assessment of our finances and of our, our lifestyle, as Christians mm. we saying. We realized that we had to make sacrifices mm. uh, and, and still do. And obviously with five children. So what, so let's focus on that. What sacrifices did you need to make? I mean, was that when the first one, your firstborn came? Well, you know, when you, when you get married, you um, immediately your, your world kind of um, gets a little bit smaller. You can't just go out every day of the week with your mates because you're married and you've got a spouse. Mm. And then when you have a kid, it gets smaller again. And you can't do so many other things. And that might bother you or you might just, it really depends on your attitude. Uh, your, your finances, you know, might, you might have to give up your gym membership, like uh, you were saying. Or, um, <laughs> I mean, for, for instance, my, my uh, sister-in-law, she was talking to, to, my, to another relative, and she was saying, I'm kind of glad that I had my baby Prem, because it means that my tummy didn't get so big, mm. so I don't have the stretch marks. Mm. Which is kind of like, well, you know, you prepared ladies to have maybe a few stretch marks or a bigger tummy than you had before, you know. Um, but because the, the children are so worth it. They're worth the sacrifices that you have to make. They're worth the sleepless nights. They're worth the change in the lifestyle. So that's another, I mean, people do say about sleepless nights, isn't yeah. it? You know, when you're making changes. Does that mean you get no sleep? I mean, did, was that your experience? You got no sleep? I, no, I you get got sleep. Sli- <laughs> you get sleep? And your <laughs> wife didn't get sleep? My wife, I remember waking up sometimes and saying, wow, wasn't that great? The baby slept through the night. And she says, you know, she just tries to throw a book at me, you know, because <laughs> she's been awake half the night. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there are certainly sacrifices to be made, but they're hardly sacrifices when you, when you get such enjoyment out of the children. Mm. Yeah, Definitely. And what other things have you, have you learned? I remember we were talking uh, earlier about how you felt that your, having your children has brought your family together. How, how, did, how did that work? The more, uh, as you go, as you have, well, it's you, you begin to appreciate not only just your children, but you appreci- appreciate yourself as a son or a daughter. And so I've, I've just had my mum and dad come over. My dad's approaching, he's in his 60s, approaching 70. And just having almost a closer relationship with him, now that I'm a father, now that I've got children of my own, um, yeah, there's that closeness there. There's that sharing together. And also the extended family gathers around children. And even the community at large, although that, that's interesting because when I go out with five children, people look at me and say, oh, you know, how cute and, you know, <laughs> would, you, would you like a and seat? They're not talking to you, obviously. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're being nice. When my wife goes out with five children, they kind of look at her and, you know, you can tell they're thinking, oh, you know, how many of these children from different dads? Mm. Are you doing it just to get benefits? Which we're not because we're not UK citizens, so we mm. just have to work. You know, we don't get any of the children's yeah. benefits. But there's a lot of negative attitudes that come across in the media. Uh, you can see, pick up the paper and it always says, there, there's so much money that children, are, they, you know, it takes 100,000 pounds to raise a children from zero to 15 or whatever. But it's not true, you know. And, and uh, if you're willing to forgo a few things, if you're willing to have baked beans a few nights, you know, it's, it's well worth it. Yeah. You're speaking to Africans and they don't <laughs> want baked beans. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if that's a sacrifice you can make today. Hallelujah. Did you going to ask me some more questions? Yeah, I was going to ask you one more. People talk about finances being a challenge. I mean, has it been a challenge for you uh, financially? Did you have to plan financially to have children? I mean, I think I read a statistic the other day that's in in the U.S. to have a a child from 1 to 18, it's going to cost you $200,000. 
I mean, that, that statistic is going to put you off. I mean, where are you going to find that type of money? Yeah. But, you know, initially it's not going to cost you $200,000. Maybe it's going to Absolutely. cost you a couple of thousand pounds or whatever to prepare, yeah. get everything together, purchase all the items or get them from eBay or whatever you do. Yeah. You know, you know, just just tell us, you know, the f how was it for you? How did you prepare financially? What decisions did you have to do? To be honest, we didn't really prepare financially. <laughs> but we, we realized, realized that we had to work hard uh, and that, you know, I would have to put off some things. Like, for instance, I wanted to go to Bible college uh, early on, but they had to wait for, you know, five or six years while we were working at other things. Mm. Um, so because you didn't plan, you mean, you know, initially, yeah, yeah. then you, you felt that you had to get a stage where you had to make some decisions that, hey, you know, I can't do that right now. I'll put that off for a couple of more years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, as, as you have children, like my children don't worry about where their food is going to come from. They know they've got a mum and dad that work, and they, they, yeah, they exactly. just expect. I mean, they they only worry about what the food is going to be, you know, <laughs> and they'd rather have mum's cooking than dad's cooking, but but they're not worried about it, and that's taught me just to rely on God. Uh, one one year we were really coming close to the line. We thought we might get kicked out. I couldn't find a job. I applied for about twenty jobs, couldn't get a job, and just when we thought that my wife would have to go off maternity leave when the baby was only a few weeks old, a job came through for me. And God's always provided for us. So if my, if my, ch as my children are looking to their father and their mother, so I'm looking to my father to, su to supply for us. You know? Definitely. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's give it up for David. Thank you, David. That's awesome. There's a few things in, um, from David there on finances, but I want us just to list a few things for you guys who are married. Number one, when you're considering to start a family, number one, you've got to consider making sure you keep your marriage strong. Amen. Keep your marriage strong because often when you have children, you know, all your love and all the things that, that you are, you're all together, you're focused on each other initially and then you're all focused on the baby and not focused on each other. And that's something that you need to plan. That's in the planning stage. We're talking about preparation. So if you are pregnant or are considering moving forward in a family, talk about how can you keep your marriage strong in praying together, keeping your marriage strong, spending your date night, your time together, your time communicating together. And then number two, it's, it's risk-taking versus being ready. And some of you might find yourself pregnant. You haven't planned it well. Like David, you're going to have to start learning after it's happened. But, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you can plan ahead and you can pray and you can develop, that, develop your faith before it happens. Now, who wants to have a family? Is it the husband or the wife? Some of you need to discuss and get on the same page as each other. You know, the Bible says you can't walk together unless you're in agreement. You've got to be in agreement first. And so think about that. Now, planning time together because the baby takes all time. I've mentioned that. Developing your faith. We've mentioned that. Speaking positive words and prayers over your future family. I had a prophecy in Kenya, and the guy was talking to me, and he was saying, listen, you need to prophesy concerning your future family. Prophesy them into being. And then number seven here, make sure that you're praying and interceding for your family. Make sure you're praying and interceding and developing a life of prayer. Now, I'm just going to talk. If the band can come, we're going to finish in a few moments. I'm just going to conclude right now on some things that you need, some practical things that you need to think about. Now, this, is, this may be for the gentlemen rather than the ladies. The ladies will know all of these things, I'm sure. But I was amazed to see how many things that you needed to purchase when having a baby. Now, I'm sure there's a bigger list than what I've written down here, but this is just to give you uh, some things so you start thinking, my God, I, I really need to study. I really need to make a list of things. 
Number one, a Moses basket. I didn't even know what a Moses basket was. I did when the Bible, when I read the Bible, but when my wife mentioned, I thought, what is a Moses basket? We need a Moses basket. Costs how many much money? We had to decorate the room. I had to buy a cot or a cot bed or a cot cot bed, whatever that was. We needed food, milk, coats, shoes, clothes for this baby, dummies, bibs, cutlery, cups, nappy bins, nappy bags, nappies. Wipes. Oh my God. I had to get onto Amazon and start ordering all these things in advance. A changing table, a mat, an untidy room. I just added that in. Toys, books, and learning tools protecting the house. Electric sockets, tables, edges, utility cupboards, surfaces. You have to think about all of these things. And then stair gates, buggies, car seats. All these different things. And that's just a few things I want to give you today. Those are the things you need to be thinking about just in preparation to have a baby and to start a family. And when you have the second one, the third one, the fourth one, you've got to start all again. You've got these things as well. So let's stand up right now. And let's just begin to prepare our hearts and pray. God's been speaking to you individuals. It's just turned four o'clock. But what I hear the Spirit saying today is the topic, which is preparation. You're all at different stages you're all at different places in your relationships. Some of you are still single. Some of you are married. Some of you have got a family. Some of you are thinking about the next child. But let's just lift our hands right now. God is the one who brings children into our lives. He's the one who gives us the seed. He's the one who gives us the ability to procreate. He's the one who gives us the mandate. And He loves families. Father, we thank you today. Just begin to pray for your family. If you don't have a husband or wife, begin to pray for them right now. If you are married, then begin to pray for your future children in the name of Jesus in the right time. Begin to pray for them right now. And maybe God right now, just as he did for me, he will give you a name. He'll give you a prophecy. He'll give you a word. He'll give you a scripture. He'll give you faith. He'll give you direction right now. He'll start to prepare your heart, Lord God. Father God, there's many, Lord, sons and daughters that are yet to come forth out of our lives. We're here today. We're not saying we're perfect. We're still developing our faith. Lord God, we've talked today about womb ministry, prophecy, confession. David's talked about his experience. we talked about Abraham, about Adam, about Noah, Father God. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, that you're the one who puts children into our lives, Father. Lord God, we pray, make us responsible. Give us good character. Father God, let us develop a home, a family that has an atmosphere where children can come in and be disciples. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, you'll speak to us, you'll give us faith, you'll give us words. Father God, concern the future of our family, give us names, Father. We call forth our children today in the name of Jesus. We say, come forth in the name of Jesus. Come forth in the right time. Come forth healthy and strong, full of God, and full of the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. We say the destiny for our family, let it come forth in the name of Jesus. We say, Lord, let us get in line with your will. We say, not our plans, but your plans be done. Your will be done in the name of Jesus. We come in line with your will today in the name of Jesus. We reject fear. We reject anxiety in the name of Jesus. We reject depression in the name of Jesus. We come in line with your will in the name of Jesus. Father, speak to us today. Strengthen us today. Strengthen the families of KT, Lord. Strengthen the, the married couples of KT, Father God. Strengthen those who want to get married, Father God. Give them a purpose. Give them a hope in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, every head is bowed and every eye is closed right now. The band is softly playing. I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. If you're here today and you're not in relationship with Jesus, you don't know God, 
You don't want to know what it means to be forgiven of your sins. And you're here today and you think, well, we're talking about marriage. We're talking about family. Have you made the decision to become part of God's family? Are you part of God's family? Is God your father today? Do you have peace with him? I want to pray a prayer today before we finish. It's going to be a prayer of forgiveness, a prayer of commitment to God. And afterwards, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand because the love of God is here. And I believe that God's touched your heart today. If you're in this place today, I want to ask you to respond. But pray this prayer out loud. If you need his forgiveness, you need his grace. Say, Father God, I come before you right now and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I know I'm away from you. I've strayed away from your family. I need your forgiveness today. I come back to you. Jesus, come into my heart right now. Make me born again. Give me this new life, Lord God, today in Jesus' name. Jesus, be Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again the third day. And today, I commit my life to you. And I join the family of God. Lord, thank you, Lord, for accepting me in Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today, you prayed that prayer and you need his forgiveness, I want to pray with you today. Just lift your hand right now. And I want to pray with you. You need his forgiveness. Lift your hand high right now in this place today. Thank you, sir. Lift your hand high right now. Thank you, madam. Lift your hand high right now. When you lift that hand, you lift it to Jesus. You lift it to heaven. Heaven sees a hand that says, you know, God, I need you in my life. I need your grace. I need you today. Lift your hand high right in this place today. Thank you. We just have someone stand next to this lady here. If you're in this place today, you need to rededicate your life to God. You used to be on fire for God. You used to serve God. But today you're here, maybe even for the first time. And you're saying, I need to come back to God today. If that's you, lift your hand high right now. I want to pray with you. You're saying, I'm coming back to God today. I'm coming back to him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we pray in Jesus' name. For those who've lifted their hands, Lord God, we pray you'll set your seal on their commitment to you. Heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents, Father God. And we pray as we come to you and we receive your forgiveness, Father God, transform our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give Jesus praise today. God bless you guys.